0: All right now, we've moved the mic across the table to talk with uh, <clears throat> to record the life history of Dixie Philippum. How are you, Dixie? I'm
1: good, thank you. Good.
0: Now, what's your maiden name? Boyack. Boyack. Yeah. Nice. So, I mean, that's that's kind of rare, like right? I know. Right? Yeah. <laughs> so you didn't you didn't uh, end up with a Smith or a, no. a Johnson or no?
1: <laughs> Two hard names, probably. Nice. Yeah.
0: Cool. So, where are you originally from?
1: I'm from here, from Salt Lake. I was born in Provo, but I've lived my whole life in Salt Lake. Good and um, yeah,
0: pretty pretty typical upbringing in the church and in, in the Wasatch Front as a member of the church.
1: Not typical. Why is that? Um, I I guess in my youngest memories, I I never had a father in the home. Wow. And um, I have two older sisters and a mom that never remarried, and uh, so didn't go to church. Um, so I guess not typical. Um, it was really, as a young girl, I would go over to friends' homes as I was walking to school, or and I'd see dads in the home, and it just seemed really strange to see a man in the home because hmm. I never had a man in the home. Yeah. Yeah. But um, my mom smoked at the time. She'd hate that I say that, but it was true. Um, for the 18 years that I grew up, she smoked. I'm sure that's what they did back then, and and that was her way of... You know she worked five and a half days a week to support three little girls on her own, and um, so a lot of those homes I went into, my hair smelt like smoke, hmm. and some houses I felt really welcome as a little girl, and some not so much.
2: Interesting. <laughs> it's just
1: interesting how you felt you could feel that as a young uh, little girl,
2: yeah
1: but um, some of those friends that in those homes I went into that had that really great feeling were Best friends to this day. Wow, yeah,
0: it's great. A lot so, of years later. Uh, did you have any relationship with your father or any father figure? Or? Uh,
1: no, not much. My father was an alcoholic and left, so my older sisters probably have more memories of him. But he, you know, his, his, my birthday was three days before his birthday, so every year on my birthday, I did get a phone call from a really intoxicated father mm. <laughs> to make that phone call, and then a year would go by and. So I would say there was probably three or four times that I did see him throughout my whole childhood. And, um, you know, he was on a second marriage. I remember going to Reno to visit on a Greyhound bus, and it wasn't really a great visit. (laughs) Yeah. And another time with my sister, I went to visit him in Redondo Beach. And not a great visit. So we never had a father-daughter relationship. I don't know. It was just always very strange. Yeah. But my mother and I were as close as close.
0: That's yeah, great. There. So you, you were born in Provo, and then did you soon thereafter move up, up north here?
1: Yeah, or? I guess, yeah.
0: You don't really remember that? that I phase? don't really.
1: Well, at five years old, I had rheumatic fever. And wow. I do remember being really sick and in bed for like three months. And so then we moved up to a, over by kind of Olympus High, we moved to a duplex. And those are kind of where my memories started as, you know, a young girl, maybe eight years old, um primary I didn 't go to church, but primary was during the week, and sometimes my friends were going to primary, so I do remember a handful of times going with my friends to this place called primary mm-hmm. nice <laughs> and uh, my dad's father and mother grandparents lived in Provo, and they were very strong l d s um, parents and my grandfather's father was an alcoholic Hmm. and reading about his father in his family history it's so similar to my father too where he just kind of left the family and um so anyway there's definitely that in my in my line but my grandfather made sure I was baptized um even though I didn't really quite know I'm really grateful for that seed you planted where he came to Salt Lake City and you know had me meet with the bishop and I don't really remember much about it besides that I was baptized and and,
0: and your I, grandfather baptized you or? and
1: my grandfather baptized okay. me to come for me a member of the church and then I never went to church nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean on my mom worked five and a half days a week and on Sunday was the day we went to the grocery store and yeah um anyway it just I was alone a lot I was definitely one of those latchkey kids because she was always gone yeah you know I, I, she was gone early and so I was always coming home alone, or my sisters are always gone. I just always felt like I was by, by myself, yeah. Nice.
0: And it sounds like your grandparents just sprinkled in some spirituality you yeah. know, when they could.
1: they did. Um, but that was really probably it. I do know from later years that they, they paid my mom $50 a month just because he knew my dad. My dad never paid a, yeah. a dime. But $50 a month, they always said, until the day I was 18 years old, which, you know, I would go visit them or go down to see them, and it was always great. But it was definitely my mom that yeah. I was closest to.
0: And, I mean, that's a... I would imagine you look at your mom's experience raising you. I mean, that's an inspiring
2: oh, thing. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. I'll get teary. Yeah. yeah. She she worked in a man's world. She was the first female buyer for Albertson Stores. Wow. And um, so she worked in a man's world, which, is you know, back then was a lot different than what it is now, but she did what she always needed to do. And I always thought maybe she'd get remarried, but she said, no, your dad was enough. <laughs>
0: <laughs> she learned that lesson. Huh?
1: <laughs> and she never remarried. Yeah, huh. she never did. Huh. But um, it was just, we just always had a really great relationship and was grateful for that. Wish she would have quit smoking a little earlier. It's like when I finally left the house, she quit smoking, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I grew up in that car with secondhand smoke with a window cracking it, you know, uh-huh. so... Anyway, I love her beyond words, yeah yeah
0: so um it, it sounds like you talk about that really good relationship, like what did that look like day to day like why do you consider it? Um, a,
1: I think in the early years, it probably wasn't as strong because she was at work and she was tired, and um my oldest sister was always seems to be seemed to was seemed to be gone, and my second oldest sister always seemed to be gone and in trouble <laughs> <laughs> in funny ways, like driving in a drive in and she's driving the car and all of her friends are in the trunk. I mean, just <laughs> to, to
0: sneak them in, just sneak them <laughs> him in,
1: you know, she just is always in just kind of funny trouble. but um, but so I don't feel like my relationship really started to be, I mean, my mom was always there. So yes. And I always came home and she was always home. So at the end of the day, so it was that good relationship. I think I found a really great group of friends, um, from those girls, young girls as a young age, and um, that I'm friends with today. And went through, you know, elementary, junior high, high school, and I have a group of probably 14 friends that I mean, we just had our 44th Christmas party together.
0: Oh wow, that's great! uh,
1: Of 14 of us, we do trips together every year. We and we're just. Mormons, non-Mormons, um, and if you ask them who's most changed, they've said it many times of our girlfriends, who's changed the most, they'd say me.
0: Oh, yeah? Yeah. Just because of that? that
1: Spiritual side of this, me yeah. that I never had as, you know, that was young teen years. Uh-huh. Yeah.
0: Interesting. And so it sounds like your story's a lot like my father's, were uh, in Utah, very inactive home, but the friends around you really kind of... Yeah. You thought, well, my friends are getting baptized or my friends are doing this, so I yeah. guess I'll consider that. Right?
1: And some weren't, but we just really, you know, we just, it, it's just where you were. You And maybe sometimes you weren't doing what you're supposed to be doing, but you, your friends were kind of your family when mom was gone yeah. or mom was tired. You just were always with your friends and um, lifelong friends for me, nice. yeah, that how, I love.
0: How would you describe your, your teenage years?
1: Uh, I think Spencer described I dated a lot of people, (laughs) I don't know. He's not even going to look over at me. Um, yeah, just fun. It was just with friends. School was never, college was never mentioned in my home Hmm. and, um, yeah, I went to school, got through school. Um, but college was never mentioned. So I really feel like where it was got really hard for me is graduation. I had some friends that went off to college some friends that went off to work, and I just kind of went, I didn't know where to go. And um, so I think I went working waitressing or doing what my sister kind of was doing, and I was definitely kind of getting in a crazy world right there. Mm-hmm. So that's when about the time that Spence and I started dating, and uh, and it was, it was good. We hung out a lot together. My mom loved him beyond words the first day he walked in the door. And... Um, So we started hanging out, and I think that's when my crazy life started to have some sort of uh, direction.
0: Yeah, yeah. So during the teenagers, was there much? Was there still any um, like spirituality or or religion in there? Or Uh, none? None. So you got (laughs) baptized and didn't go back. Literally, yeah. (laughs) All right, that's interesting.
1: There was none. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what to say. There was none. I remember during high school, my. Friends would be like, I have to go home to Young Women's or something, you know, or mutual, I guess at the time was mutual. Uh-huh. And I'd be like, okay, you yeah. know. I mean, I don't remember ever getting, you know, invited with the friends. They just had to go do those things. And
0: you weren't overly curious what it was about? No, or, yeah. no, just
1: I was fine because there was another group of friends that it was in the same group that weren't LDS. Yeah.
0: So you just hung out kinda, with those friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what were your uh, hobbies, interests in, uh, in those teenage years?
1: Um, definitely friends. And um, social
0: butterfly, it sounds like,
1: yeah, I'd say social <laughs> butterfly. I'm very, yeah, social, definitely friends. I mean, school, I did dance, you know, uh-huh. uh, I had a really good friend back in high school and spent a lot of time at her home and her mother would make my little dance outfits and things that we needed for performances. And, um, you know, we would sleep over there all the time. And so really just, I spent a lot of time with friends and social,
0: yeah. Yeah. So we heard uh, Spencer's uh, the perspective of how you got together. So let's imagine he we are not we haven't heard that. What's the real story? How did How did Spencer first come into your well, life?
1: Well, I well it was that peek over the fence, and I was I did lie to him and I didn't want to go water skiing. But it was thought that I didn't want to go with him. I didn't know how to water ski, so oh, yeah. it was more. You didn't that, want
0: to look. Yeah. Silly. I didn't
1: want to look silly, uh-huh. so I was playing it safe. And, um, so I think he knew that I just didn't, you know, and then I, and I never put myself kind of out there and been vulnerable on different things. I mm-hmm. just, I just didn't. Yeah. So, um, and, and
0: when he called you that day, was it, I mean, did you ever, I mean, was, were you attracted to him? Did you ever like hope oh, yeah. that he would call? Or? Oh yeah.
1: I, I would have a friend in my math class that said that he would sit behind me and said that he, Spencer Phillipum had a crush on me. And I thought he was cute. I mean, Uh tall, dark, handsome. Are you (laughs) kidding (laughs) me? He's loving this right now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I always, yeah, totally attracted to him. Had a crush on him. And then we just started dating. We started hanging out. And it was really, um, you know, with friends or doing whatever. But I think I still had a little bit of my unsure side, social side, wild side, whatever side it was. And... So that's when it really did get to where, you know, we either need a breakup or get married. Mm-hmm. And so we decided to get married, and he said, well, I want to get married in the temple.
0: Hmm. And, and so up to this point, you were no, still yeah, nothing. just <laughs> interesting,
1: okay? <laughs> well, he said, where's it at? <laughs> Literally. <laughs> yeah. So it was one of those. And so this is where the path started for me is right there. Interesting. And... Um, So the first thing we did was um, met with his bishop, which was Bishop Russell of the 18th Ward. And can I just tell you what a nice man. Hmm. I just felt love and just simple conversation about me and um, not knowing uh, anything about this religion. He was a great man. And so, of course, I needed to go see my bishop, which you need to look up, because you don't know who <laughs> he, he is. Because you had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and he wasn't uh, as nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he was black. Things are black or things are white. Yeah. You know, you go to church a year, you, whatever it is, you know. And um, so that was hard. And we had started going to church together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of hard, because I just didn't understand the two bishops kind of thing, this love and black and white. Yeah. So I just remember one day Spencer's bishop called my bishop. I don't even know his name. And he said, how about we just get these two to the temple?
2: Hmm.
1: And uh, he said, okay. So we started on our path to going to church and that process and interviews. And... um, (laughs) I felt like even at times, Satan worked on me, I didn't know what that, what that looked like then, but now as further down the path, I know what that looked like. I just a darkness, uh, um, just something I hadn't experienced, when I was trying to make good choices, deliberate choices. and uh, But we kept, you know, going to church, and I experimented with prayer. Which I hadn't really prayed before. Besides in my bed as a little girl, I always somehow said a repetitious prayer to myself. I don't know where that even came from because prayer wasn't in my home. But, um, but we started, you know, on the path. And um, we went to get our patriarchal blessings. Didn't know what that was, but okay, because it's on the path, whatever yeah. you're telling me to do. And... Spencer got his patriarchal blessing, I got my patriarchal blessing and read it and thought, I have no idea what this even says uh-huh. or means. Tuck this away because it doesn't make sense. And uh, the next thing I was going to meet with the stake president of the stake, which is President Peterson. And it was by myself, which I would never done that before without Spencer. And when I walked in that office was the first time I felt the Spirit was overcome by the Spirit, which I didn't know what the Spirit was. Mm-hmm. But it was my first time feeling the Spirit, which uh, was an overwhelming feeling of love for me. And uh, I remember President Peterson was so nice. Peterson was so nice, and he, he told me across my his desk how much strength he saw in me. And he told me, even that I reminded him a lot of his wife, and I don't know why, but he did. But when I walked out of that office, I knew I would never look back on how I lived my life to where that moment was. So that was just a really big moment for me. So... We got married in the tempo, which was kind of hard, because my mom, I think, she didn't say anything, but she couldn't see me get married. And uh, Spencer's mom rallied the... Because, you know, my dad wasn't going to pay for a wedding. My mom didn't have any money. Spencer's mom rallied the ward.
2: <laughs> oh, great.
1: <laughs> and we were married just on... Uh, the reception was just on, uh, yeah, Ren Road and uh, Wander Lane there in that Amy Castell's home, backyard. And the ward members rallied and put on our reception there, and we were married at the Jordan River Temple because the Salt Lake Temple at the time was closed. And, you know, I I remember enjoying the experience. I didn't think it was weird or strange. I just didn't. It was all unusual. Everything was different. everything was new, so that was just one more thing. one more thing. Yeah. But what I do, what I am so grateful for is um, a husband that we went to church. Yeah. We went to church every week and we never missed and that was from being newly married to um, having children to now we just never missed and I think with that Heavenly Father knew what I needed because he put me in primary and I learned the very basic principles of the gospel and then I was called a young (laughs) woman's And, boy, when I heard those lessons, I thought, man, if I knew these things, <laughs> that could have really helped me back then.
2: Yeah, I bet. But I was
1: almost a student in the young women's, just like the girls. And then he put me in Relief Society. I served in a Society Presidency. And then after Relief Society Presidency, he made me Young Women's President. Wow. And uh, so by choosing him and choosing the Savior and choose you to do my best every day." I look back and I can see his hand in my life of becoming what he wanted me to become. And in all the years that I thought with my family, I was the only one active, obviously, in my family. They were all baptized, but no one went to church still. And. Um, My mom and I became really close. She always supported, like if my kids were baptized or whatever, she'd come and help do food or whatever. And one of my gravest memories is she retired and um, started walking around her little complex and met people. And one day she said, you know, I think I'm going to go to church. Hmm. And she was probably later 60s. And I said, Mom, you can come to church with, with us anytime. She goes, No, I feel like I need to go here.
2: Hmm.
1: But I think what a blessing that was is because right then at that time, we started having spiritual conversations where we had never had them before. And that was really such a tender mercy that I didn't think I'd ever see. She'd call me sometimes after. And she's like, Okay, if I'm in Relief Society... Where's everybody else in the building? Hmm. I mean, just simple things. We think people come into the ward and they know. Yeah. And some don't know. You know, how do I know which office is like the bishop's office? Or a group of people had um, invited her to like a little group. And um, she's like, they, they asked me to say the prayer. <laughs> she had never prayed. Wow. And I said, Mom, you can't say a bad prayer. Heavenly Father will never say a prayer is bad. A prayer is a prayer. So I was able to take her to the temple and uh, be with her there and be in the celestial room and and talk about our lives. And she would say to me,
2: Oh, gosh, sorry. I wasn't going to (laughs) cry.
1: She would say to me, You had the life I always wanted. And, uh, she just had such a good heart. She's just the most amazing lady. So I just, I always cherish, um, our spiritual conversations we had. And that went up to the day that, uh, she had leukemia and, Mm uh, took care of her a couple years. And then she came and passed away here at our home. And, uh. The sweet conversations we had as she was preparing to die. Yeah. And so, I really miss her. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: What a remarkable journey, for both yours and, and hers. They're yeah. sort of paralleled in some fashion, you know? And, um, sometimes parents encourage their kids in the gospel, and sometimes kids encourage their parents in the gospel. Yeah. That's great. That's good. So going back to that journey when, uh, f- from that conversation of, well, I want to get married in the temple, to when you actually did, like, how long was that that journey?
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know. What would you say? Six months? Oh, okay. Six or eight months, I think, through the process. And what was really funny about story about the patriarchal blessing? We had moved. I had, you know, then we had started having a family and kids and busy life. He was always gone, so I was doing the kids. And when we were preparing to move, I remember one day thinking, "Where is that patriarchal blessing?" (laughs) No idea. Yeah. Anyway, we moved here. We moved into his mother's home while Spencer built our home here. Uh-huh. And I lived with Spencer's mom with the three boys and, well, he did too. And um, I just thought, I don't know where it is. I don't know where I stuck it. And so I, when I was called in this ward to Relief Society, I was in charge of like going downtown to pick up some tickets for something we were going to be doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I remember being at the, um, the desk, picking up the tickets, and something said to me, go and get your patriarchal blessing. It is fast. It is easy. And I'm like, what? I hadn't really understood the spirit yet. I hadn't understand how that worked. Mm -hmm. I do now. But um, I went outside and called Spencer, and I said, I just had this thought, and I don't even know what, where it came from. And he goes, just look for the tall building and ask someone. And so I went over to the church office building and it's like oh yeah whatever floor went up on that floor I said I just need to get my patriarchal blessing they're like what's your name okay we'll send it to you in the mail and I remember coming out the building and just sitting on the steps and crying
2: hmm.
1: because I wondered how many blessings I had because it was a loud voice <laughs> yeah. I wondered how many opportunities I'd missed out on because I'm not listening so I had to learn how that's a still small voice and um, when that came in the mail, <laughs> I un- understood it completely. When you read it, with was spiritualized. W- what I didn't understand before, I understood that blessing. So in a way, it needed to be tucked away till I was ready. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So anyway, that was a really great experience for me to start learning to understand the spirit and learning that as we are on this path, and we're trying to do the right thing. Heavenly Father will direct our path. And I think the adversary will direct your path to whoever you're giving your um, time to. But give your time to Christ, because your path will be a beautiful path. It won't be perfect. You won't be, not have pain or death or suffering or be sad or happy or joy. But you will have His love and His peace to direct your path, and I've seen His His hand in my path all the way to this point. Yeah, wow. Where I have a very strong testimony of our Savior.
0: Talk to me about uh, being a mom. Uh, was that something you always looked forward to? D- yeah. With your uh, untraditional
1: uh, family, yeah, family. I, well, that was what was so great is being a mom and. Um, I don't know. I, I look forward to it. It's just like what you did. You had babies. And so <laughs> lo- and I loved it. I was, I've been a stay-at-home mom my whole life. Um, I always tell Spencer that's what I was born to do. I uh-huh. feel like I'm a born nurturer. I feel like I'm a born peacemaker. Um, those are, I feel like, qualities I have. So I loved being home with my kids loved being home with you know I loved the younger years before you know free agency took over with (laughs) teenage kids and that but the younger years you know we had really great times they were always busy I think Katie grew up in the back seat of a car with three older brothers because we had sports and things (laughs) we were going to so she really grew up in the back seat of the car but being a mom is such a great blessing and I've always thought and lived this life that I've been living um, with I always thought what I didn't get in a father I got in a husband hmm. and was able to see that in our home and uh, that was a really great blessing for me to see and be a family and um it was just a great blessing so loved being a mom and loved everything about it uh, a grandmother I'm even more in love with yeah <laughs> and uh, they're just a continuation of your heart, these little ones. And, you know, I think with my remaining time on earth, whatever that is, is to first let them know how much I love them and be with them and play with them and have fun with them, but also to let them know how much the Savior loves them. And so. That's really important to me. And one thing that we've started to do as a tradition is, um, I've tended twice a week for nine years. Um, My older son's girls um, were really close. And then my daughter-in-law, Jazzy, has two boys. So if we do something fun, we just all go together on those days, tuesday Thursdays. But one thing they look forward to every summer is Temple Square. And so every year, before going back to school, I take them. Um, we all go down to Temple Square and um, spend a few hours and talk about the Savior.
2: Hmm.
1: And really sweet experiences about just Heavenly Father and how much he loves them. And, and they have a, it's so interactive down there for children right now. But all these spiritual conversations that I would like to have had, I want them to know. And um, just want them to know their value. And I want them to to stay in close with their Heavenly Father and His Son because that's where they'll really find happiness on this earth. And I've experienced that happiness and that peace that comes when even hard times come. So I just hope they always know who to draw to and that is to Him.
0: Yeah. So, uh, After your marriage, were were there certain trials or hard times that really stand out uh, among others that were an an additional growing experience for you?
2: Uh,
1: I think hard times were just mainly parenting. (laughs)
0: Learning
1: how to parent, you know, our oldest. He was hard, and he knows he was. And even as an adult, I've said to Tyler, I said, looking back, how could Dad and I have done things differently? And he said, you guys did everything right, Hmm. you know. He just had to figure things out. But, you know, I think those were only times that Spence and I even had arguments where he'd be kind of hard and I was more communicating, you know. We communicate, we don't yell. So, anyway, I think those were our trying times. um, with my dad, it was funny, because I even, to the point of, he was in a rest home, and they lived, he married his third wife, and he was in a rest home, and, and I invited him every year up for Christmas with his third wife, and it was a once a year thing, this was as an adult and in this home here, and every year at Christmas, I'd invite them up, and you know, it just, it was just different, like he, he just, he was, he he just wasn't, he didn't know how to be a dad, or grandparent but I still just felt like I needed to do that for me and I remember going down when he was in a rest home kind of before he was going to die and I didn't tell anybody I was going because I didn't want anyone there but me and uh, that's when it really came to me that it was the best he knew how to do
2: Hmm.
1: It, it was really a good forgiveness thing for me
2: yeah
1: because he really didn't know how to be a dad or a grandparent and for whatever reason, that was the best he knew how to do. So, but I was okay with it. And um, I thought Spencer would cry more than me. <laughs> 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 so, anyway, that's our biggest struggles. I think that's probably it. I mean, losing my mom was probably one of the hardest things, and then losing my best friend, Juan Christensen. Hmm. Um, probably the hardest things I've had to go through, but
0: and was this a friend from your childhood or just?
1: She's a friend from this ward. Oh, okay. Brent Christensen's wife, DeJuan. Oh, okay. Um, when I moved in this ward, she just came, knocked on the door, and says, "Okay, we're going." And uh, <laughs> she would just always took me under her wing, and she did preschool with the little kids, and. My daughter was having anxiety, and she goes, well, I figured out what Katie's anxiety is for preschool. And I said, what's that? And she goes, it's you, so you're out of the carpool. <laughs> she just knew how to tell me the way it was. And I followed her around all these years I've lived here. And it was really an honor to be her friend um, and even help take care of her as she passed away. Hmm. But it's such a void not having her or my mom. But yeah. You just keep moving. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Sounds like, I mean, there's just this theme of, of, of friendship in, in your life. I mean, that's yeah. really been your anchor in yeah. a lot of phases that you've gone through, right? True. Yep. Yeah. Great friends. Um, w- what about anything as far as your relationship with your with your sisters? Would that be worth exploring? Or <laughs> uh, We don't have to go there. Anymore. It's gotten
1: better over the years. Um, I've been closest to my sister that's just barely older than me. Um, Obviously, you don't have those religious conversations of who you are, but or you do. I don't know. You just be who you are. But with my oldest sister, I kind of always struggled a little bit with for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. She lives in Texas. Um, And it was probably over a year ago, and I'm sure it was my mom working for the other side because as a parent, you want your siblings to get along, you want your kids to get along. And... I had learned to listen to the Holy Ghost more. Um, I had an impression to text both my sisters and say, you know, you're in Texas, you're in California, I'm in Salt Lake. How about we just send a picture every day or two and just a picture of our lives in a text message. And, uh, well, those pictures generated conversations. Hmm. And so we talk almost every day.
0: Wow. A lot of time through pictures, I would assume. It's
1: through pictures and through text messages. And we have seen each other. We met this last few months and went for my my older sister's 60th birthday. We met in California and spent time together. And hopefully there's more time to be spent together and our futures together. We're all so different, but we're sisters and love one another. And uh, I just am really grateful. I think that came from the other side with my mom, and it's really been a healing thing to connect and, and talk and laugh and, and share with one another. And there's been phone calls, too, now. So,
2: yeah.
0: That's great. It's great. That's awesome. Um, what about your... Uh, is- uh, Spencer's had opportunity to serve in these unique callings, you know, with corrections and things. What was your role, and I sur- assume you served th- with him there?
1: I was with him, yes, the whole time. And there'll be times I'll never forget either. I remember a man out of prison. Um, and a lot of times I didn't know what people did because he had to know things I didn't have to know. And I could just be the cheerleader and on Sunday,
2: mm-hmm.
1: friend. And I just remember he... Seemed like a nicer, older man. And he got up to bear his testimony, and he said, It's the first time I've ever felt love. I've never Mm -hmm. felt it my whole life, until whatever this feeling is right now, it's the first time I've ever felt love, and sat down. And I just thought, you know, the Lord asked for a broken heart and a contrite spirit. He had that day. Wow. And so you just, you just, the spirit was so strong there, um, more than I've ever felt in any other place. But like Spencer said, they were broken. And uh, their lives were beyond a mess. And some were looking for love and light, you know? And they felt it there. And, you know, I always look back to that little seed of, My grandfather planted a baptism. It was still a seed, even though I I didn't do anything with it at the time. I always hoped that through corrections, we were that seed. The Savior's love was that seed because it was felt there really, really strongly. Um, When we met with the women, with him becoming branch president... Over the women, I became Relief site president.
2: Oh, cool. <laughs>
1: so, team effort. But, you know, it allowed us to go to the center together, to know the girls. I couldn't sit in on a, a lot of the interviews because I, I don't know how you guys do it with the priesthood, but it was really difficult to hear hmm. some of the experiences they had had. And I couldn't come home and it just hurt so bad yeah. to hear what they had suffered in their lives so I said to Spence I'll be your cheerleader and I'll love them but I can't hear I can't hear those interviews that you sit through so we made it so he had a you know from the guard station the women had he had an office and the guards could see the women and him and he could do those interviews on his own and I but I went to many homes with them where he needed to go and and meet with them and um it was just an experience like he said that i and I and and love them. Um it was just an experience that it was so great, just that all you had to do is go and show love. And they would be asked to pray and everybody prayed so differently because sometimes with different ways that they would pray, but they would pray and they would plead for their families and for themselves.
2: Hmm.
1: And uh I wish drugs were never invented because drugs really pull them down, and they'll choose the drugs over their families, mm. and that's what's so hard. But Satan knows if he can break up the family, that's his happiness. So, um, unfortunately, the drug would win a lot of the time, but they were trying. Yeah, they were trying.
0: Wow, obviously a very uh, powerful time, att- powerful and uh, difficult at times, but gives you a whole new perspective on the how the gospel works
1: my kids looked really good (laughs) when we were hard on the kids earlier i came home going geez it's a breeze what are we worrying about you know but uh it's what you do you just worry as your parents and you want your you just want the best for your your family yeah Yeah.
0: any other callings that you've had that stood out they haven't mentioned yet that um
2: every one of those
1: every place the heavenly father has put me has been so wonderful um everyone had such an impact on me with Young Women's um, Relief Society and with the people in the 8th Ward. It's been a wonderful place to, um, to be. I, I just remember when I came back from the branch, um, I was going to be more raw. I was going to share more of trials that I'd gone through, even mm-hmm. if it was like, you know, a son that's chose to have tattoos all over his body, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he's a great kid. To rather than have the white picket fence, because we're not really helping each other sometimes if you think things are perfect behind everybody's door. I think that we help each other by sharing where, if there's difficulties, you know, in life, you know, we had a son that was divorced. We've had um, two sons that came home early off their missions. We've had, you know, different things but it's just it's been okay
2: yeah it seems and to work out
1: right. it seems to work out and their path won't be someone else's path because some go on a mission and then they put, hang up their white shirt and never do it again never yeah. go to church again everybody has a path and after seeing what my path was growing up I realized each one of my kids have their path and I'm proud of them and I love them so much for who they're becoming and um, you know, a little tweaking I'd always like to do, but <laughs> I'm gonna tweak in love. Yeah. Is how I'm gonna tweak. And they'd probably like to tweak back <laughs> over here too. <laughs> so it's just it's just a beautiful path, but it all leads back to our savior and I'm so grateful yeah. for him.
0: That's awesome. Incredible background and story. and I just appreciate that just listening to yours and, and Spencer's story where um, there in the past, it can appear that there maybe were some situations that weren't ideal or choices that you made weren't, weren't ideal. But to see how God can, is constantly there throughout that journey yes. and to see uh, how he sanctifies us today and how to look back and see how far you've come. Yes. It's, it's inspiring. It's
1: inspiring. Yeah. And, I, and so I will never deny, and I just will keep doing what is asked like Spencer and we're just grateful. We're having our 37th year anniversary coming up wow. this week. And it was a quick 37 years. <laughs> and you look at it that way. You look back thinking, you know, it was a quick 37 years. And yeah. we're just grateful to have had them. Yeah. Yeah. Anything
0: else we're, we're missing that uh, part of your life or...
1: No, I think I cried through that whole thing, though. That's good. That's all right. And it shows you're a real person. Okay. So uh, last nope.
0: question. If you were to go 100 years in the future to talk to your descendants, what would be the one message that uh, you'd want to relay to them?
1: Um, I just want to relay that Heavenly Father knows who you are, and he knows your name. And we said that many times at the center because we wanted them to know he knows who they are individually. And he knows who I am individually, but he knows my grandchildren individually. And he'll know their children and grandchildren individually. And so my best advice is get to know him individually. Get to know our Savior. When they say, read your scriptures, to your prayers, and you hear it all the time. But actually doing those things to learn of him. There's podcasts of him speak of him, go down to Temple Square, feel his love, wherever it is that you find that you feel his love, find it, because that's where happiness is. It won't find it in the world. You'll find it through him, and always go to him.